Misericordia Domini, plena est terra. The earth is full of the mercy of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The intro to today's Mass is really the key to understanding all that will follow. This is always the case. The intro it is that song on the threshold that gives us a foretaste of things to come. And so we sang in the intro to today's Mass, Misericordia Domini plena est terra. The earth is full of the mercy of the Lord. Now, this is an extraordinarily comforting truth. It seems very simple. But it means this, that there is nowhere on this planet where the mercy of God is not present. Oh, you can scale the highest mountains. You can devise the means to go into the very depths of the sea. The mercy of God is everywhere present and always available. It's not this wonderfully comforting. And so, the Mass today opens with, with this assurance. No matter where you are, no matter where you have been, the mercy of God is there for you. And then, the college of the Mass, the prayer in which we make our petition, a petition inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost knows what the Father already wants to give us, what the Father intends to give us. And so the Holy Ghost has inspired the Church to articulate this request that is supernaturally harmonized with the heart of God. And what is the request we make today? Well, the collect begins, O God, who by the humiliation of thy Son, what humiliation? The humiliation of his bitter passion, the humiliation of his face disfigured in his sufferings, the humiliation of the cross and of the tomb. O God, by the humiliation of thy Son, and this means Humiliation, by its etymology, means going down. O oh God, by thy, thy sons being brought low, oh so low, hast lifted up a fallen world. So we have two things happening. The sun goes low, very low in search of the lost sheep. The lost sheep has fallen from a precipice into a very deep ravine. And the lost sheep seems almost irretrievable. 
And so the shepherd saw me, obedient, goes into the very depths of that ravine to rescue the fallen sheep. So we pray in the collect, God, who by the humiliation of thy son has lifted up a fallen world. Now, the world is fallen by reason of the sin of our first parents. The, the world as God intended it to be, the world set on course in the beginning, was wrenched out of the divine plan, and everything fell, fell out of grace into sin. And so, in this sense, we live in a fallen world, and Christ comes into the fallen world to lift us up one by one. One by one. So, O God, my humiliation of thy son has lifted up a fallen world. Now comes the first petition. Grant abiding gladness to thy faithful. Abiding gladness. Now, the Latin says, um, perpetuam letitiam. An unbroken gladness. A perduring gladness. An uninterrupted gladness. How can we have this? Given the changes and chances of life, given the things that befall us, given life's, given life's hardships, how can we hope realistically to have an abiding, uninterrupted gladness? Oh, our gladness lies not in ourselves, nor in things going right, because very often they don't go right. Our abiding gladness is that the mercy of the Lord fills the earth. That the mercy of God is always available. That there is mercy in every place, in every circumstance, at every moment, available to all of us. And what is mercy? Misericordia. Mercy is what love does. When love, perceiving misery, takes that misery to heart. It's the meaning of the word misericordia. Misery taken to the heart of one who loves. And this is the cause of a gladness that is unfailing. We have no excuse for being gloomy. Oh, of course, we can shed tears over the ills that we suffer over the hard things in life, over the sufferings of others. But when all the tears have been shed, there is held out to us a gladness that nothing can affect or mute or diminish. The gladness that comes from a God who is always there to take our misery to heart. We say, God. And then we ask in the collect, so that we, whom thou hast rescued from the perils of eternal death, this is what Christ the Good Shepherd did, when 
he descended from that high precipice, from the mountain top of his divinity, into the valley of the shadow of death, and went into the deepest, lowest, darkest ravine to lift us up and pull us out, so that we whom thou hast rescued from the perils of eternal death, and now we come to the punchline of the prayer, may come to enjoy everlasting bliss. Everlasting bliss. So today's collect is reading about gladness, about bliss, about joy. We have good reason, good reason to be a radiant people, a church radiating joy, because we have a God who is everywhere present and always ready to take all of our miseries to heart. And in doing that, he binds up our wounds. The epistle will tell us, St. Peter is speaking here, and he says, it was his wounds that healed him. The wounds of Christ, by the way, the wounds of Christ are signified, as you know, on the Paschal candle. That's the reason for keeping the Paschal candle in the sanctuary all through Paschal tide. To display the five wounds of Christ. The wounds in his hands, and in his feet, and in his sacred side. And the wounds of Christ are five fountains overflowing with healing, with mercy. And that's why the Paschal candle is kept. It's the light of the risen Christ and his five glorious wounds, the pledge, the promise, the assurance of healing. And so St. Peter says this in the epistle, it was his wounds that healed you. Till then you had been like sheep going astray. Now you have been brought back to him, your shepherd, who keeps watch over your souls. If you are here today, if we are here today, it is because we, straying sheep, every one of us, have been brought back to him, our shepherd, who keeps watch over our souls. The gospel, of course, is the good shepherd himself speaking to us, and he reveals himself precisely as the good shepherd, the shepherd who watches over his flock not for gain, well, not because he's going to make a fortune, you see, out of this flock when he takes it to market to be slaughtered, to be sold. No. He loves each one of his sheep. And with each one, he has a personal relationship. So we're not a flock in the sense of a nameless, faceless mass of people. The Good Shepherd has a relationship with each one. He knows your face. He knows your name. And he wants you to know his face, his name, 
and his heart. And this is why I find this so interesting in this Gospel. Our Lord says about the sheep, they will listen to my voice, so there will be one fold and one shepherd. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one fold and one shepherd. It would seem that the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is something that must be constructed over time, like any relationship. Friendships are built up over time. Marriages are built up over time. Any relationship requires an investment of time and of another thing, listening. Listening. There can be no friendship without one listening to the other. No marriage. Good marriage. Stable marriage without one spouse listening to the other. No relationship at all without listening. No relationship with Christ without listening. So often people say to me, Father, I want to pray, but I don't know what to say, or I just rattle off prayers. Well, prayer is not, first of all, about saying anything. It's about listening. Listening to the other the other who is Christ, the shepherd, and coming to recognize the unique quality, the distinctive sound of his voice. And that really is why, well, a man becomes a monk, isn't it? Because he wants to spend his life listening to the voice of the good shepherd. He wants to put his life in the best possible environment so as to be able to listen with the ear of the heart to the voice of Christ. That's why we come to a monastery. That's why we come to a place apart. To be listeners. Listeners. And then listening listening to the voice of the shepherd, we are drawn into unity. And in that unity we discover and become for the whole church an expression of a joy, joy that the world cannot produce nor give. And so, the double grace of today's Mass, the first grace is we're asking for gladness, for bliss, for joy. And our Lord says, this gladness, this bliss, this joy is yours because I am the God of mercy. And my mercy is everywhere present and always available. So that's the first part of Mass. The second grace of today's Mass, the grace for which we, we must ask, is the grace of a listening heart. To so still ourselves inwardly and listen to the voice of the shepherd as to be able to recognize it among a thousand other voices, and hearing that voice to follow it. And if we follow that voice, we will be led into unity and into the green pastures of which the psalmist speaks. And in those green pastures, we will find 
happiness that nothing in the world can give. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.